Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Wild Wasteland. As always, I'm Dean Maldonado, and with me is uh, the hypersensitive and ultraviolet Michael Johnson. Ooh, yeah. You hear that? I'm rubbing my beard up. ASMR now. We're ASMR podcast now. Are we? Yeah. Is that what ASMR is? I've just heard it as like a punch like people just like talk about it as a like a really high quality of like slurping. And I don't know what that like what what is it? It's uh for weirdos to get off on other weirdos making uh, very soft sounds to help them sleep or masturbate while they put something up their butthole. Wait, really? So it's like it's like the new ver- it's like the 2020 version of like turning on whale noises. Yeah. It's just like listening to a woman go uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's good macaroni. Like is that what mm. is that the new whale noise? Mm. Yeah, it's like What really sucks is that, like, what ended up putting whales out of a job was just their lack of lips. Who would have thunk? If only they could smack some macaroni and and lube or whatever they're doing. Like, I'm sure if you put some, if you put a high high quality uh, microphone right to those fucking flaps. Oh God, could jerk off teeth. for days. As they're eating, like a you know, what do they eat like? 1.2 million krill oh. in like a single gulp. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, whales e- are easily like the Hitlers of the krill world. I don't know. Because like krill get fucked up. They're, uh, like, that's the thing. Is, like, it, like do sardines despise dolphins more than birds? I think Both most of them try and eat them. Yeah, I think most animals just uh, don't see themselves as existing. <laughs> that's that's what makes humans humans, what? right? Yeah. Are you saying that uh, if I were to put a mirror in front of a shark, right, it wouldn't notice itself? No, it would think that that's another shark. God. What does this world become? It That's probably why I like octopus biting man. the mirror. That's why I love octopi. Yeah, octopus, Octopuses, I think, they, do uh, know that they exist. Oh, they entirely do. Yeah. Them and My squids. favorite thing about them is that they, like, you know how they can escape from any kind of trap that is, that has a hole big enough for their, like, piece of cartilage to slip through? Yeah, that one beak that they have. Like, I imagine that the squid is like, God damn it. If only I didn't have this damn beak, I could get anywhere. You mean the octopus? Anything, squid and octopus. They can. Well, oct- squids, squids are not nearly as smart as octopi. No, they're maybe even more smart. False. True. False. True. Smart in different ways, but smarter. Like what? Uh, it's You're something. That, like, squids have street smarts while. Octopuses have like learned knowledge. Like, what, what, are you, Octo- what are you getting at here? Are you trying? To, are you trying to call my octopuses a bunch of yuppies? Uh, well, Is that what you're doing? Are you throwing? Are you throwing? Uh, throwing limbs? Are you throwing tentacles? 
hey, you know, like I'm not walking down like uh, Seattle, uh, whatever. Uh, that fucking yuppie, those two yuppies with the guns. Do you know Columbine? what I'm talking about? <laughs> those, those two guys weren't yuppies. They were high school Yeah, they were, they were two yuppies with guns. Yeah. No, the ones in Seattle. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... Um, <laughs> I think that Octopi... What, the Chaz? The ch- is that what they are? Who's the Chaz? No. <clears throat> Chaz Bono? No. Back back, back to uh, back to Octopuses. What do, what do you think about them? Uh, huh? Yeah, no. Octopi, they are more like... They can observe their surroundings and they can understand it better. Like, like when they turn into coconuts or whatever to hide from predators and stuff. Whereas um, squids are more intelligent, like a pack mentality kind of thing where they will like they'll get through your armor mesh because they know how to undo like straps and stuff. So you're saying are you trying to tell me that squids like work in a pack? Certain squids do. Yeah. Not everyone. The smarter squid. Because that's 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 part of the reason that I love octopuses is that they're very solitary animals. Yeah, you seem very but octopus. at the same time. Well, yeah, but at the same time, they do like to live in communities, but in like their own little hole in a community. Well, they are themselves a community because every tentacle. I don't know if you knew this has its own brain and has its own like yeah. wants and desires. So it's like well, they have. They have nine brains and three hearts. Yeah. They're fucking awesome. Imagine they that. They are like my favorite animal. Like I imagine if that. every one of your limbs and fingers had its own mind, a mind of its own. You'd be well, walking around like they? an octopus too. Think about it. Think about it. You're at a you're at a museum and you're looking at some ancient artifact through a glass that you would have no way of ever knowing what it felt like to your fingers. If you close your eyes and imagine yourself touching it, you could honestly feel through your fingers what it would feel like. Same with same with your tongue. If you look at a fucking like think about think about what it would feel like to put your tongue on a Hot Wheels car. You may have never done it, but you can figure it out. Your tongue knows what it would feel like. Right. I'm not talking about six cents. I'm talking about having ten to twenty individual minds in your one body. That sounds like every day in my head. <laughs> I think you don't just... tell my doctors; they're <laughs> taking me off the meds. I think that uh, you just have a weak connection between the left and right brain, and you actually have two separate brains in your one brain. You have two brains. Well, that is true. Did you know and they that communicate when very they, well? When they disconnected people's uh, left and right brains, they found out that people really have two brains in your one brain. Yes. No, I think it was schizophrenic uh, or some disorder that they were like, we need to find the cure. Let's just sever the two. Let's just cut this brain in half, essentially. Is that what we're talking about today? We're talking about lobotomies again? (coughs) No. Oh. Sorry, I had a big cough coming. No, it's fine. (coughs) You're hitting that Red Bull extra hard. Or or something worse is going on. No, it's fine. Okay. It's a mixture of allergies and a lot of other shit. 
I know. That's what people don't understand. Like, they're walking down the street, like, someone coughs. It's like, coronavirus. It's like, you know that just because coronavirus is a thing doesn't mean that every other virus doesn't exist, <coughs> doesn't not exist. Exactly. Honestly, it would be my dream to die of, like, yellow fever right now. Oh, just so you could be like a <laughs> just just some like random other disease that they're like, where did that come from? What a hipster fucking thing! That that's the most hipster thing you've ever fucking said. As you were suspenders yeah, with would, your fake I would like glasses. to die of a different disease than the popular one right now. Yeah, you're just like ah, where's the plague? <laughs> I got the black death. I got that bubonic. <laughs> yeah, nobody come near us. Watch out, my boobos, they're gonna pop. I Watch can out, I feel got that SARS. I can I got I got the SARS from two thousand six. <laughs> that must have been like the worst thing to report on. Like the SARS virus for every Boston reporter. Yeah, that SARS, SARS is getting real bad. That SARS <laughs> That SARS that came out of China. The China. China SARS. Hey, dude. Hey, brah. Hey. Get the size. Get these boobos off of me, dude. Come on. Park the car by by the size. Park the car by the size. In Harvard Yard. In, but, uh, in Boston. <laughs> Boston Yard. In Boston. Boston Harbor. Is that what is that what we're talking about today? You yeah. know, <clears throat> near where that Mayflower. <clears throat> no. <laughs> should I get should I get to what we're actually talking about? Yeah, like, are we're people like, actually going to listen for, for what we're talking about. We're like thirty minutes in. Is that like why? Is that why they is that why they tune in? They 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 tune <laughs> in for our. I don't even know jokes about Boston's in two thousand six. Bostonians. Wow. What a specific year to bring up. Yeah, no, they love it. I'm sure they do. Hey, remember it was a real, uh, 2006? It was a real bang up of a year. Ah, 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 ah. Oh. Ah. No, that was not the year Boston bombing. Don't think about that. I didn't think about that. It wasn't the year. <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh... <coughs> Now that I think my lungs are done being a bitch. Finally. I was trying to tell your lungs to stop being a bitch. Dog, sometimes you just gotta like get up, smack them, and say quit it. You know? Quit it. No, no, no. Quit it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Thank you. Thank you. Sir, thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Well, what we're talking about today... Is right. the fungal virus known as? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Could you imagine if I was just like, <laughs> we're talking about the zombie bug? Ooh, cool. I like that. It, it's a parasite that leeches into the brain, kills its host, drives its body around like the latest Mercedes, and then eventually cracks the entire thing open when it has eaten all the nutrients. Cool. This is from Boston. No, it's from somewhere in the jungle. Ah, always. Yeah, you know, like around that place where the lion sleeps tonight. Uh, no, definitely the. It's a little bit. It's a little bit west of a Wimbledon. Yeah, it's the opposite <laughs> side of the world. 
Yeah. You know, Wimbleware. A Wimbleware. A wee Ambambaway. You, uh, you, Jaffiel? Y- your dog ate your research, didn't it? <laughs> it did. I've, I have nothing. I have come here empty handed today. I just want to talk about white supremacy and Lincoln and uh, Trump, and I wanted to talk about NASCAR and and Bubba Wallace and then Bubba Watson, because I just like people named Bubba, and then I wanted to talk about Bubba Gump and their shrimping company and their practices, and then from that shrimping company, I did want to talk about uh, a very small portly man named John Harvey Kellogg, but we'll get to him in like nine episodes. (laughs) Okay. This is Wild Politics with Dean Maldonado. (laughs) This is this is Dean Unhinged. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. Dean Unhinged is much worse. See, this I can actually get to the topic though for you. I just for you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> no, so so what we're what we're gonna get talking about today is uh we're gonna actually finish up hopefully John Harvey Kellogg. Yay! Now Thank you for your tepid cheers. Yay! Uh, it has come to my attention by, by talking to, to Michael off, off camera. It's weird. Off I know we mic. actually communicate when we're not talking in front of you guys. Yeah. Do you guys think that we just but, live um, in a bubble in the trailer? I think so. In the I think desert. They do. Where we can't, we can't actually talk to each other. Yeah. We just, uh, go into hypersleep between episodes. Well, you may. I have to stay up and do all the fucking research. Oh, man. I love sleeping. I know you do. And you look so delightful when you do it. Thank it's you. Like, it's like watching like any of the, like, the, the scenes where Winnie the Pooh actually gets honey and doesn't get stung or fucked over in some way. You know how happy he looks when he's just, like cradling that jar? Yeah. That's you in your sleep because you both don't wear pants. Oh, thank you. So what did you learn through talking to me off off the record? That you're bringing on the uh, record? That Michael has no fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> he is he is so lost, it almost hurt me to the core of our friendship. Yeah. Um, he didn't think that the, enti- that the last episode was about the same guy at all. Because at the end of the day, you're not wrong, Mike. You're really not. Thank it was you. about the building where all this shit took place. Right. So it kind of was like it was kind of like you ever seen you ever seen the trilogy of the Hobbit? Yeah, that one time. Yeah, you know that second movie in the trilogy? Yeah, the one where they kill the the dragon. No, 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 that's in the third one. No, no, no they kill the dragon in the second one. The third one is the war between them defending the mountain. No, 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 no. They don't kill Smaug until the third one. Oh, the second one they ends kill him, like, with him right flying off. towards the village. Okay, so the third one like starts off. The with second them killing one him. means nothing. The second one was literally just fluff that didn't move the story laterally, vertically, and it didn't move the story at all. Wait, didn't they get it, to the mountain on the fir- by the first one? Yes. What the fuck they do there in the second one? They have that whole bullshit where like they try to use GoPros and the and they they had really shitty editing one. cuts in the in the barrel when they're going down the river. It's the only one where Legolas ever runs out of arrows. Yeah, how does he run it? Like he's supposed to have magic arrows, right? No, he's just really good at counting and planning ahead. 
He's like, okay, I'm probably going to shoot 800 arrows. I should bring 8,000 arrows just in case. Yeah, he's like, well, I shoot about 72 per second, so if this battle goes anywhere past five minutes, I'm going to need another horse. Wow. Yeah. But, they don't show you um, that so, part so of the So last movie. episode, I would say, is The Hobbit 2 of this trilogy. Wow. It just it didn't literally really move went us nowhere. Anywhere. You were just dancing Even, with the dragon in the gold with your ring on. Actually, yeah, more or less, because we were just talking about the building and how dope it was, and you made me cut half of how dope it is. Yeah. But You're so welcome. let's actually talk about this place, right? All right, let's so it's talk the sand. about the fucking sands again. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Okay, here's here's our last dive into this place, just because Michael is so sick of it and doesn't understand it at all. As a quick recap, uh, John Harvey Kellogg has a younger brother named William, who goes by WK. Right. W.K. Kellogg is what we're going to get to because he's the one who sells Kellogg's cereal. However, John Harvey Kellogg, his older brother, and the head doctor of the sanitarium, who it, we, I, we, in the last few episodes we told you about the sanitarium, we told you about his connection to Ellen White, we told you about his background in, in doctoring and his hate of masturbation, uh, his his love of vegetarianism and enemas, um, and now we're gonna tell you about really why everyone came to see this guy. Besides the fact that he had wonderful lectures, mm-hmm. um, because also I mean he was he was one of the foremost health experts of the time, right? So he also would follow other health experts of the time. And one of my favorite ones, before we dive into what he does. Is this guy Horace Fletcher, uh, who was all about one thing, mastication. What's that? Uh, chewing. Oh, chewing. <laughs> it's all about yeah, yeah, chewing. Yeah. yeah, Horace Fletcher. You ever heard that? Like, you should chew your you should chew your food forty times before swallowing. No, but I uh, I have. Have you ever heard somebody put an arbitrary number of how many times you're supposed to chew your food before you swallow? I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah, that's from Horace Fletcher. Okay. He believed that you needed to masticate your food and like chew it. He said you should chew at least 40 times before you swallow. How about if it's And Kellogg followed that. How about if you're drinking water? Why would you ever chew for water? I don't know. I'm just saying. It's only, It only applies to things that you chew. What Like, I feel like there's a difference between like chewing on like um, something soft like a like a like a soft vegetable, like a carrot or onion or mm-hmm. something, compared to chewing on a steak. I feel like forty times mm. isn't the catch-all that he wants it to be. But it it actually really is if you try it. Because I used to do this. My uh, one of my good friends, the guy who uh, invented the drop stop, Mark Newberger, he he used to be a um, a health coach. Before he invented the drop stop and after he was an actor. Uh, and what he would do, one of his big, big things was this way of chewing that he would teach people, which I used to do. It's very time consuming. It's incredibly tiring. 
Uh, your jaw gets really fucking strong doing it though, and you eat way less. You lose a ton of weight because all of the food that you eat, you're actually just getting all of the nutrients out of it. Isn't that what your stomach's gonna do anyway? No, no. We have this big misconception about our stomachs because we think that we're like dope. We um, think that we're like we, we have like 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 wolf like stomachs. We are pretty dope. It's just like full of acid and it's going to like dissolve whatever we put in there so that our bowels can crunch it down and we can shit it out in a few days, you know? Yeah, that's what happens. You that's, just you just explain the digestive system. Well, most all digestion comes from your saliva. I drink acid so while every the foods, day. While the food is in your mouth, you should be chewing it in your cheeks. Because you're actually starting to digest the food and break down the food in your mouth. <clears throat> and what breaks down the food in your stomach, a lot of that, yeah, there is acid in your stomach. But a lot of what breaks it down is the saliva that continues to go down your throat because you're salivating because you're eating. So what, what Mark would teach people to do is take smaller bites and then put it in your cheeks. Kind of like the same way you chew dip. Oh, yeah. I love dipping, dude. Dipping I mean, I've ripping. never tried it because I like my jaw intact. What? Come on. You don't want to have, like, jaw surgery when you're 40? Nah, man. I got a pretty face. Uh, I guess. But so uh, you use your tongue to basically push any large pieces of food that pop over your teeth and try and go down your throat, you use your tongue to push it back into your into your cheeks. And eventually you chew the food <clears throat> so much that it will just trickle down your throat through the through the, the uh space behind like at the back of your jaw. I chew maybe four or five times before I swallow. Yeah, I believe it. You probably have like big hard poops. No, they're pretty soft. Ugh. I feel bad for your digest for your digestive tract. It but, knows what um, it's doing, dude. It's been doing it for my It's whole crazy. Life. Like I would I I would do it and I remember we would I would be eating like a really fucking good steak. And I would find so many just like veins and like little pieces of crap throughout the meat because it's cow meat and they're very tough animals, and also yeah. a lot of them are very scared. So, like, there's a lot of cortisol that crunches it up. You find a lot of impurities. It's it's a really great way to uh, to eat. But so Kellogg used Horace Fletcher's idea, and to get people to chew, they would sing uh, what they called the chewing song. They'd <laughs> at sing every this meal. while chewing. Uh huh. I feel like this is a good way to get people to choke. There's more than enough physicians if someone starts choking. That'd be funny. Like all the you know, doctors are like choking. We're, <laughs> we need more doctors. <laughs> Kellogg's like, I am a doctor. And he's like, hey. he's like, no, we have a lot of nurses and physicians on staff yeah. and other helpers. You're no fun. But, <laughs> but the thing is that the place was very popular. Um, if you Do check you know out our Instagram song? on on this Wednesday the 8th we're going to be posting one of their 
advertisements from the newspaper. Oh, nice. But they advertised in Good Housekeeping magazine in 1907. Wait, do you know the wait, Dean, do you know the chewing Sorry? song? Do you know the the chewing song? Do you do you want me to, do you want me to sing it? Do you do you know the 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 chewing song? I mean, I I know I know the refrain. I know like the hook, the chorus. Oh, what's I don't the, the verses? What's the chorus? It was like chew, chew, chew. That is the thing to do. Chew, 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 chew for me and you, or some bullshit like that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I it's kind of like how they teach you to. It's I'm sure they do, but it, it's kind of like how they they teach you to do CPR to uh, the song "Staying Alive." You know, chew, 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 chewing food, chewing food, chew, chew. <laughs> chewing some food. It works. Food, chewing some food. You, I mean, you should try it. It's crazy. I I might but I might try chewing some food next time instead of just eating it like a fucking dog. <laughs> instead of just wolfing it down. Yeah, like a. Now, 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 do you understand where that term comes from? What chewing alive? No, wolfing it down. Oh. It's it's that's always been a fucking thing. They didn't come from Harvey Kellogg. That's not what I'm attributing it to. <laughs> you daft, slow little fucking dolt. <laughs> Wait, so what were you saying? Sorry, that they that advertised was in um Good Housekeeping? Yeah, they did. It was really cool. They advertised that they offered forty six different kind of kinds of baths. How many different types of baths? 46. 46. It's a lot of different types of baths. They yeah, I mean they had I just know they the had one. massive bathhouses. How, how how many different types of baths are there? Nowadays? I mean It's like a sponge bath and like me, a normal bath. Well, let me think, right? So you got yeah, you got the you got like the sponge bath, you got a bath like in a tub. You have uh a milk bath. They still do that. They still they do uh, beer baths in a lot of places in Germany. Uh, they do. Um, they were doing oil baths. You know, ice. They do ice baths for athletes. Um, jacuzzis are basically very hot heat baths. Um, a pool is technically a bath. Mud baths. They still do. They do dirt baths, which are stupid. But people pay to just like lie in dirt. Yeah, which is weird. like, if you're going to lie in dirt, at least lie in mud. Oh, it's just like dirt? Yeah, it's like just dirt. They're like, it's good for you. Um, I guess you can call you can call floating a bath, which that's a really fun activity. Have you ever tried that? I never tried floating in the bath now. Oh, so it's a it's a thing. Um <clears throat> it is um what's the what's the technical name of it? Flotus operandi. <clears throat> no, but that would be fun. It's uh da, 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 da. they're um immersive mm. It's it's these tanks that you get into, 
and it's hypersalinated pools that um that you float in because you're the 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 salinity makes you hyper buoyant mm-hmm. and uh you lay in it and they close this door and it's it's heated to be body temperature like exact body temperature and so when you're laying in it it's really fucking awesome because you uh you don't feel where you're you stop feeling where your body ends and where the water begins because it feels like it's all one it's a very nice way to uh to meditate yeah you're talking about a uh, uh what's it called self yeah joe rogan has one in his basement deprecating tank yeah del- deprivation tank deprivation <laughs> not yeah, self they're really popular tank. people there's there's like five or I'm sure I'm sure like twelve in the surrounding Chicagoland area, but like in the city, there's at least three places that are just for that. Yeah, I was thinking about getting into that, and then like I looked up that everyone was going. Like they were there's like no openings in any of them, and oh, I don't know. They're super cool. Yeah, it's just really like for me, it's very difficult because I have to pee very often. I know you have a very uh, small bladder. And so, like, when I did it, I actually had to get out at one point and go into, like, the shower area and, like, pee yeah. down the drain without, like, any of them knowing. Oh. And then get back in and finish because you can't pee in there. It's fucking hypersalinated. Yeah, no, you, you sh- and if you do pee in there, you're an asshole. <laughs> that salt, that salt will go right up your urethra. Ooh, and then you close it out. You know, what do you think, what do you think happens when, when you are done peeing, that your penis is immediately closed? <laughs> I would assume so. Is that not how that works? I mean, your urethra it, it opens to let the pee out. It doesn't immediately sla- snap closed. Oof! There are rough. bugs in like the the Amazon that yeah, the South American can swim like the... up your pee. Yeah, swim it's up crazy. your urethra. Okay, either way, either way, my back to baths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get back to baths. Well, yeah, types this one of this one is my favorite bath they they ever did. I don't I want to try it. I'm 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 listening. It's called the continuous bath. Oh, you just are in a bath all day long. Yeah. So here's how they advertise it. They said the continuous bath, which was much like a re- regular bath uh regular tub bath, except that it could last for many hours, days, weeks, or months, as the case may require, supposedly letting them out to use the toilet. This could cure skin diseases, chronic diarrhea, delirium, hysteria, and mania. Yeah, this is when we start to talk about how uh, John Harvey Kellogg is fucking crazy, right? Yeah. This is insane. Like, wouldn't your skin fall off? Like I don't think so. I mean, it become I, it would become hyperhydrated. I don't know. I feel like something like if you're in a bathtub for more than like how long has like what's the longest you ever spent in a bathtub? Me? Yeah. In like in like recent years that I can remember? Yeah, that you can remember, yeah. Uh yesterday I forced myself to take a bath for as long as possible and was I stayed a- in for I want to say like 20 minutes. Mm, that's pretty long. 
Yeah, I really can't take baths. I, I agree with Bill pee. Burr when he says uh, men don't take baths because whenever you sit in a bathtub, all we can think about is slitting our wrists. <laughs> or if you're not a comedian, you're just sitting in the bathtub like thinking, like I could be doing literally anything else. Yeah, man, that's how I feel. I'm like, when I sit down in the bathtub, I'm like, why am I spending time sitting on the floor surrounded by water in a different room? Yeah. It's too decadent. Well, also, like, I can't do anything in there because I, like, read a lot of books and those will get fucked up by the yeah. water. I do things on electronics and that uh, will get fucked up by the water. What you need is a waterproof book. What I need is a nice industrial bar to go over my bathtub so I can put my typewriter on there and just sit in there and type. Oh, okay. Like I'm Trumbo. Yeah. While you're uh, while you're smoking a cigar. Um, no, but I, I, I did watch uh, something where a guy stayed in a bathtub for 24 hours and his skin became to come, become like translucent and weird. And hmm. uh, it's just like it, you aren't meant to stay. Humans aren't meant to stay in water for long periods of time. It's like if you put a fish well, in a my, desert. My favorite little fun fact about humans in water yeah. is uh, you know how your, your fingers and toes get pruny when you're in water? Yeah, it's to enhance the grip. Yeah, dude. It's like an evolutionary trait. Yeah. It's like an evolutionary superpower. After we... Well, you got to think about, that's what's so cool, right? Is like that trait, evolutionarily, we would have had to, as as a creature, go from the sea to the land on all fours to a creature that is standing to a creature that is standing and has been in the water long enough to make another adaptation to adapt back to the water. Yeah. That's fucking full circle shit right there. Crazy. That's 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 Dane Cook 2007 vicious circle shit right there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so when describing the sand system, uh Kellogg actually was quoted saying, "I Okay. I need to know real quick before I start doing quotes of his because there's a lot okay. of his in, quotes in this in this in this episode." Okay, you want to do the voice? Do you want me to do like a, what kind of voice do you want me to do? I want you to do like a stuffy, like a composite, a composite phys- you physical to, You method. want me to do like a, like a, like a, like a well-spoken foghorn leghorn? But like angry, like you have, like you're enraged at all. Yeah. So like, so like a Yosemite Sam who like actually knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Like imagine wearing a monocle and like a twirly French mustache and also, um, just like prim well, and proper. My but issue also with it is that like a little gay Asian. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's going to go pretty hard gay Asian. Yeah. Um, so I might just, you know what? I'm going to start doing is, is quotes in a, in a foghorn leghorn ish. Even though he's from Michigan, and uh, yeah, nothing too southern. We'll see though. where it goes from there. I'm not thinking southern at all. I always think southern, and also when you watch uh the the movie A Road to Wellville, where um, Anthony Hopkins is playing him, he has this like oddly 
kind of like Tennessee Southern accent. Like this quote, it's almost like a, I, I can't do say read at all. Sorry, I was just trying to read this quote in like a voice that I would do it, but I can't even. It's just too. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's very hard to read for someone who doesn't read often. Um, hey, got two jabs in there so far. <laughs> yeah, people are keeping count at home. And we're like, we're those little uh, rock'em sock'em robots. Like, I'm blue and I've landed two punches. Right. But the head's head still on. Like, I would say, <laughs> the Battle Creek Sanitarium advised and advertised in oh, good housekeeping in 1907, but offered Are you like 46 a Russian different prospector? kinds of baths. The continuous bath is interesting, which... Was much okay. like a regular tub bath, except it would last for many hours, days, weeks, or months. Okay, so you were like a like a weird prospecting Romanian. That's how I who see Harvey came Kellogg. to America and learned English very quickly. That's what yeah. it seems like. No, that's how I see Harvey Kellogg. So I <laughs> imagine him. Yeah, this this man who was born and raised in Michigan and by and, and studied in America all his entire life. Well, you know, like accents were different back then. You know what I mean? It's true. Back when he was alive, people in New York were actually still using that like yeah, see, yeah, kind of accent. I could see that. And like the radio voice of the time was, oh, here's a garden. Oh, we're on to World War One as we go on to the future of the world." Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and that's and that's where I that's where I really kind of get disheartened with Hollywood is like that kind of accent that you were like the kind of like Im- impression that you were just doing is incredibly Hollywoodized because like a lot of people didn't talk that low. <laughs> I know it's weird. There there are a lot of historical figures that if you like look into it, their voices are described as like soft, higher pitched. Um, like like James Madison or George Washington, like they were like, you mean Abraham Lincoln? Well, well, I do want to tell you, and you're like, whoa! I always think of you as like, hello, sir. It's like, hey, how's it going, buddy? Big barrel chested, you know, fucker. But put her yeah, there. So I'm gonna, I'll try, I'll try a few things, but just so you know, whenever I'm doing a voice, that's most likely Kellogg. Okay. So, Kellogg actually was quoted saying that his system is. A composite physiologic method comprising hydrotherapy, phototherapy, thermotherapy, electrotherapy, mechanotherapy, dietetics, physical culture, cold air cure, and health training. Therapy. No, it's not therapy. It's training. Health training therapy. (laughs) And now, I don't know if it was because I was spending like months obsessing over this man and reading his book cover to cover like two or three times. I know. But I absolutely January. love this system. I really do. And I think we should use it more often today, even though, I mean, we, we technically, okay, we do, it's called preventative medicine, but like who the fuck listens to preventative medicine? Who's going to pay for some asshole teaching preventative medicine? You exactly. Know? Who? Who I'm asking a question. I mean, like who? My friend Mark Newberger was paid to do that for a long time, but yeah, whatever. I need, I need to know preventative me- medicine. 
Well, I'm about to teach your fucking ass. Oh. Uh, so, the physiologic method concerns itself, first of all, with causes. In the case of chronic maladies, these will generally be found in erroneous habits of life, through which through long operation have resulted in deprecation of the vital forces of the body and such derangement of the bodily functions that the natural defenses have been finally broken down and morbid conditions have been established. Chronic disease is like a fire in the walls of a house, which has slowly worked its way through from the foundation upward until the flames have burst out through the roof. The appearance of the flame is the first outward indication of the mischief which has been going on. But it is not the beginning. It is rather the end of the destructive process. Wow. May be said to be in a in, in, in sepid state. But it's really been ill for some time. And as the existence of disease is evidence of the long-continued insidious operation of subtle causes which have gradually consumed the patient's vital capital wiped out his margin of safety, and established definite and often permanent pathological conditions. Disease, then, is not the chief, often, attack, but the cause of the disease. The physiologic method does not undertake to cure disease, but patience. It recognizes the disease process is, uh, as an effort on the, on the part of the body to recover normal conditions a struggle on the part of vital forces to maintain life under abnormal conditions and to restore vital equilibrium. Does that make sense to you? Or do you need, do you have any questions about that quote? No, that's good. I'm good. Right? Yeah. Like I really like the way he describes what is effectively preventive medicine. Yeah. It's that the disease is not really what's killing you. There's something that's killing you, and the disease is showing it because your body is trying to correct itself and bring itself back to an equilibrium. And so this disease is your body's way of fighting. And so let's find out what the root cause of this thing is and how to fix that. Yeah. Through sitting in a bath for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. He's got fire and, skin disease. <laughs> he needs to be put into the bath. Um, he's got. Uh, we'll we'll talk about baths in a little bit, my friend. Oh, I, I can't. I can't wait for that. I know you can't. But the nice thing about the physiologic method is, that at the end of the day, he does say that, like you as the patient, you have to do the work. It's. It's a great methodology that they can teach you, but there's no point in teaching you something if you're not going to use it. I love when he says, he says, uh, he must work out his own salvation. He must cease to do evil and learn to do well. He must cease to sow the seeds of disease and by every means in his power cultivate health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the thing. That's that's the system. That's the system of the sand. Is this physiologic method 
where they have worked on these things for, you know, 30 plus years of figuring out different ways of cultivating uh, and like identifying different diseases based on their methods and then fixing it and fixing this person's lifestyle so that it doesn't come back. And the reason they can do that is because they have complete supervision and complete control of the patient. Yeah, you got to... Which I'm pretty sure is kind of why this this stuff can't really happen now. It's because no one would really be down for this. Well, isn't that like the common practice, like treat the patient, not the disease? Depends on what the disease is. Because look at any, um, look at any kind of uh, psychological disease, right? right? Any kind of psychological trauma, we just give pills to people. Ah, see, that's part of the problem. We we treat the disease. We don't treat the patient. We don't treat the trauma. Mm, so we numb the pain. So which is what? why our entire pharmaceutical industry is based on keeping people on medicine. Well, I feel like there's a lot more than just Pharmaceuticals, that. It, yes, there is a lot more than that because it's not just they're bad people and they want people to be sick. More of a corrupt there system. Is, there is also a side of business to it, though. Pharmaceutical. You know? like, if people stop... Well, if people stop buying their pills, say, say Pfizer stops selling Viagra. <gasps> I'm gonna have to lose weight to treat this They're, erection. Well, well, no. Well, that's the thing is like it's not like it's not like there's not gonna be any other person that will make that type of pill. That's not the issue. But because they stopped selling that pill and stopped marketing it so aggressively, Pfizer will no longer have the revenue to fund research for new medicine. Uh, more Viagra. And so that's that's kind of the the Ouroboros of. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry is that it has to eat its own tail because people have to stay kind of sick and they have to stay on the medicine so they can create new and better medicines. Otherwise, where are you going to get the money from to create these medicines? It's a good point. At the same time, uh, and that's why, well, that's why I was telling you last episode that the San was a nonprofit and all of the profits that they made went right back into development of new ways of curing new curative methods new devices uh training new people uh building new buildings on site that we'll talk about later to like grow more food it it was all kind of reinvesting into itself so it could be better but like yeah they had to charge people a lot of money because they Uh, gave them a very ritzy quality of life sure but wasn't polio happening right now and i'm pretty sure the sands didn't invent the cure for polio No. I'm just saying that they uh, all these uh, methods and all this treatment and everything seems to be for a certain wealthy clientele and not necessarily for uh, everybody else that was surrounding the area of Michigan. Well, they actually, because they were a nonprofit, they did a lot of charity work. They would, they would bring in a lot of people. I think about 10 to 15% of all of their patients were staying and actually being treated at the sanitarium completely for free. 
they do that for a lot of people who just either didn't have the money to pay for it, uh, people who are veterans of war. Uh, they did it for a lot of homeless people, a lot of people with mental disabilities. Um, but they also, you know, if you had the means, but you didn't have the full amount that you needed to pay for all this shit, they also made uh, not really like payment plans, but they made like specific kind of uh, exceptions for different people. They made case-by-case basis judgment, and they were like, oh, so you only have, what, 20% of the amount of money that you need for this full treatment? They're like, okay, we're just going to charge everything at this much, 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 much smaller rate. So it is still going to cost you something, but you're going to be paying something that's much less than everyone else because we're not trying to cripple you for life financially. They weren't out to hurt people. No, I understand. I'm not saying that they were. I'm just saying that they weren't necessarily out there to, uh, to cure everything either. Oh, no. And that's, well, that was one of the funniest parts of the book, right? Is that, uh, also, Jonas Salk made a vaccine for polio in 1953. Yeah. Which John Harvey Kellogg was dead before that. I understand. I wasn't saying anything. And he didn't, he wasn't making vaccines. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he wasn't in the medical, he was in the pharmaceutical industry. It was the opposite, like the preventative medicine type thing. But was he spreading the word? Yeah, no, I mean, he, he was very against pharmaceuticals. Yeah, but you he's, can't. He's cure. all about the fact that the body can can heal itself. Yeah, but a lot of things can't be cured by just you know going to a spa and having some people wait on you. Okay, well, let me tell you about what happens. So, the physiologic method from this gets because of his resort. It actually did become popular and is now preventive medicine. Um, but one thing I have to mention before we get too far, <laughs> he says it like what episode four of this shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is episode five. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> is that the the sanitarium? I think I mentioned this last time. It was split into two separate wings, one for each sex, and each of even married couples were split up because everyone stayed in an individual room. Oh yeah, like the fucking crazy Christianity aspect of him. I forgot about that. Hmm. I mean, in the place, as I told you in the last episode, this was a ritzy fucking place. It was really nice. I know, yes. But the, the actual system... Worth more than our buildings. Oh, I know. The property's worth more than the city of Chicago. I could see that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the city of Chicago's losing money. Uh, every year. Poor investment. But so the... <laughs> Listen, I told... I told... Rahm Emanuel, we should not have invested in Enron, and he just didn't fucking listen to me, okay? He's like, Dean, shut up. Putting it all... Okay. Put okay. it all on black, baby. Let it ride. Ooh. <laughs> Dad is feeling lucky. Ooh. And you're like, what is that? He's like, tax pay your money of 97 through 2006. Uh, oh, God. That's uh, 16, 16 red. Ah, shit. All gone. Anybody? Can anybody spot me? Uh, I don't know. Five five bucks for the for for the bus. Hello, anyone? Shit. (laughs) 
So, so the system does actually start when the patient arrives on the property. Okay. As soon as they arrive and they, they select their room, because why not? You're paying for it. Pick which room yeah. you want. I want room 16, dude. Well, there are also, I mean, there are a lot of people who would come multiple, multiple times, so they like to stay in the same room that they always stay in, you know? Oh, okay. Um, and then they go and they visit the medical office where their name and their address is taken by the physician that receives them. And then they re- they get a few general facts, you know, just like any kind of doctor would, based on like, you know, how, how are you feeling? What's wrong? Um, and they they get a good kind of like general idea as to what the person will need, medically speaking, because they have a lot of different offices on that property, right? They have like a dental office. They have a surgical wing. They have... Uh, you know, just they have people that don't need surgery. There are people that do. And so they, they can figure out from that initial diagnosis, should they be interviewed for surgical procedures? Should they be seen for this dental procedure? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're assigned to one of 30 physicians uh, that the institution has that they are all qualified and trained for specific particular things. So they have like one guy who like they have like a they have like a, a group of physicians that specifically work on uh blood diseases. They have a group of people that specifically work on gastrointestinal diseases. They have like very specified physicians. That's why they only had 30 or 40. Right. And then they, this is one of the things that was brilliant about the place is that the physician who who receives them then gives the, the patient a, a, a blank prescription booklet, which has like their name and their patient number. And then they go to whatever the name of the physician is on their blank booklet. And then that booklet, they keep with them the entire time they're there. And that's where any physician that works with them notes, first off, who they are, when, what time, when, and what they've prescribed, so that whenever they're received, everyone knows exactly what this person has been getting treated, at what regimens, at what times, so that nothing is missed. Yeah. Um, it also even... Uh, it also cataloged, um, you know, when they ate, how many hours they slept, uh, different suggestions concerning what they should be doing for the next few days to fix whatever this is. It was it was brilliant. Oh, okay. And this methodology actually worked. Very much so. So if someone came in with blood disease, this would cure them? Possibly. They would work with them. Oh, okay. And you had a bet. You had the best chance out of basically anywhere in the northern hemisphere. Well, yeah, because this is the only place doing this shit. Because uh, everywhere else is just like, yeah, we just took his blood out. Now he's dead. It's kind of cured. I guess. Yeah, come on, this is the same time where doctors are telling people that vegetables and fruit will make you sick, and that when you're sick, you should drink 
heavy wine and eat raw meat. Like, it was not a smart time. It's a good good way to get gout, though. Very good way to, like, sit forever and eat red meat and mm. drink wine. I don't understand why my feet keep hurting. <laughs> so all of that, but so all of that happened, and there's a few more things that we'll talk about that happened on the first day that we'll get to in a bit, but on the second day, so the morning after you arrive, they begin um, what they termed the three-day research period, which is the first, so you check in, and then starting this, the, the next morning after you check in starts your three-day research period where you as the patient, you take a prescribed, uh, you eat a prescribed diet which is portioned out to your specific height and weight, and they give you um, a very specific number of calories, uh, a total amount of like nitrates in it, and the that way, what they're doing is in this three-day period, they're giving you sterile food. And it's also free from things that were in a lot of food of the day, like uric acid, uh, cretinine, urea, other fucking gross tissues. Yeah. Um, All this sounds delicious. Mm Mm-hmm. But so on your three-day research, you actually have to sit at these special tables in the dining room, because and, and they have physicians that are at those tables to basically help you with everything because you have to learn how to do the meals because the meals are very interesting as well. Uh, Because the meal, the way that they track what you're eating and when and like how much is also through prescription. So they like prescribe certain amounts of food and certain types of meals for you. And then on your bill for each meal, it actually lists out in like specifics and you pay for exactly what you ate. Oh, okay. So that way like, you know, because they break it down into what we'll find out later is called food blocks. Which, if you've ever heard of Barry Sears's uh, the Zone Diet, the Zone Diet is this diet. I've never heard of the. And zone I want to reach diet. out to Barry Sears and talk to him about this because Mark Newberger knows him, so I'm gonna try and get in touch. Oh, okay. And he'll tell you about the Zone Diet. Well, no, I know about the Zone Diet, but I want to ask him if he ever knew about this because this is the diet that he's like, oh, I invented. Uh oh. He, he mm-hmm. might uh, he might not like you bringing that up. He might kill you. Hey, if he does, then I'm happy to die for on this hill. Uh, in case Dean gets murdered, uh, you all <laughs> listen to it. So we know yeah. that uh, why you get murdered. And we know that it's, uh, what's his name? Barry Sears. Barry Sears. Dr. We're, Barry Sears. Dr. Barry Sears, we're on to you, buddy. Just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that you can hide by just murdering a man. Not in my country. So, as I was saying, the they pay for individual food blocks, which it actually breaks down into uh, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. And then, so, 
on that prescription book, there's also blank spots to record um, strength tests, weight tests, um, other tests that the physicians will do across the across the entire period, across the entire uh, program resort resort for lack of a better term. And uh, what's really cool is that I think I told you this. Every single patient during their first week, really it's during their first three days because that's when all of, after their first three days when they're like have all of the, the information they need, each patient meets personally with John Harvey Kellogg and he prescribes a specific plan for them based on their ailments. Yeah, no, this, this seems very uh, ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Seems like a Jenny because, Craig type thing. Well, so so the second on that second day, they have a different physician who's been with the patient for a lot longer at this point sit down and uh, read through this letter that they're supposed to bring from home from their home physician. That's called like a, a letter of introduction. Where basically the home, like their their home doctor was like, "Hey, this is what was wrong. This is what I've tried. I can't figure it out." And so they sit down. They're like, "Okay, well, is this still hurting? Is uh, like like where where is this insufficiency kind of taking place?" Mm. And um, they really take a lot of uh, special interest in knowing whether there are any kind of like organic changes or deficiencies in vital organs like your brain, heart, liver, kidneys. Um, and then so after you talk through this thing with that guy, the, the patient removes all of their clothing or as much of it as necessary for you know physical examination. Now he's getting nice and sexy. Well, and then you they they examine the person because a lot of times like there is like in this time there was a massive issue with uh these like gastrointestinal diseases that would make your stomach bloat. Yeah, probably because they're eating fucking. Like you ever dog seen shit. those? Yeah, right. It's like it's like you ever seen that picture? Those pictures of um <clears throat> people in third world nations that have like they're like emaciated but they have like a pot belly yeah it's because uh their digestive system's all fucked up right like as soon as they eat any food mm-hmm. it just bloats them up well yeah so like they look for like that kind of stuff they um they they figure out whether or not they need to make what they consider an internal examination now uh, they gotta cut them open checking their butthole and then <laughs> And this is where the the they are referred to different various departments, right? So they might go for photographs and X-rays. Oh, where where they where they'll be, you know, they have a lot of different machines that were made on that property that I can that there are pictures of in our documents. Wait, they had X-ray uh, machines. Like, sorry, they had X-ray machines. Yeah, he used X-rays. Isn't that like an invention from like the 1930s? I don't know that they had x-ray machines back then. 
Well, the X-ray was invented in 1895. Oh, crazy. Mm-hmm. Definitely ahead of his time, because I'm pretty sure they weren't using that shit back then. No. No, no, no. Probably, I mean, this is like... Probably bad. Probably this is, gave this is where he was, he was really ahead of his time. Yeah. I mean... I even uh, th- he was one of the, he was the first person to ever figure out radiation therapy for for cancer. He was very ahead of his time. I mean, I'm sure he killed a lot of people figuring the shit out. Yeah, I remember. Um, but that like uh, Doctor Scholz or whoever like had like, got like sued a few years back because uh, they used to have these x-ray machines that were in stores and you would put your foot in the like you'd put your foot with a shoe in the x-ray machine look down into it and they would turn it on and you could see your bones through your shoes like oh well that doesn't fit right how about you try a size yeah, yeah, nine yeah. it was at a lot of it was at a lot of shoe shops it was so that you yeah. could it was before they figured out that all you have to do is like you know press on the top of the fucking shoe <laughs> or, yeah, well, I think that's You're always like, been the thing. Is it a bit tight? They were like, yeah, let's try out this new invention we invented. And, like, later they're like, oh, everyone should have been wearing, like, lead um, everything when we did stuff like that. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, and that's you know, learn learn as you go. Yeah. And that's, but that's, that's also, like, that was a part of history in America where we were very into futurism. Oh no, we loved you know uh, a radiate like we loved radiation. That was a huge yeah, dude. Thing. We thought it was the, the 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 best thing ever until everyone started really. I mean, cancer. until what was it? Seven Mile Island, Three Mile Island. Uh, I can't even imagine when the beginning of it was. Like, I imagine like it was like the nineteen twenties or thirties when that started. Like, oh wait, this is bad. It was probably at, right after World War Two when we dropped fucking here. Bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, that was the first time that people could see that, like, atoms and, like, radiation is, like, an issue. Yeah, um, it was, like, and yeah, 60,000. No, no, the uh, Three Mile Island incident in 1979. It was the most significant U.S. commercial nuclear power plant disaster in history. Yeah, but, no, I, I think there's always there was always a... And uh, that, combined with Love Canal, really made people hate it. I don't even know what Love Canal is. Love Canal? Yeah, what is that? Uh, it's a neighborhood in Niagara Falls, New York, where they found uh, that like a lot of like nuclear waste was being buried, and there was a massive environmental disaster, and the place is like super irradiated still. Nice. Always nice to know that mm-hmm. America is just as shitty as everybody else. Oh yeah. Just in case yeah, you're yeah, no, wondering. They, they, in in twenty thirteen it was covered by the New York Post saying Love Canal still oozing poison thirty five years later. Nice. Hey, go pour me some of that uh that nice yellow water from the tap. Mmm. <laughs> makes my teeth glow. <laughs> so uh they on the on the first three days, their ration is a thing called the Schmidt ration. Holy Schmidt. Which uh, contains a great excess of pro- of protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the average normal ration was about 2,000 calories, 
which one tenth so two hundred of it would be proteins, six hundred would be fat, and twelve hundred would be carbohydrates. And so they gave that to the patient for three days, in addition to uh, charcoal, which is given to test the 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 motility of the motility of uh, the intestinal canal. So so it, it tests your literally intestines. Uh-huh. Um, and then at noon on the last day, they give the patient a capsule, like a pill that contained raw meat that had been hardened in alcohol and bits of cat gut to test the activity of their pancreas in the stomach. What? Why? What the fuck? That is the weirdest thing I've ever read in my life. Is it? Why? What did this do? Uh, well, the the raw meat has a lot of um, bacteria in it. Oh, and so I'm sure they were using the cat gut as some kind of almost like a casing, and the raw meat was hardened in alcohol. So they'll probably see what that'll probably that'll probably make it all the way through the digestive tract solid, you know. All right. And so they'll see what 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 latched on. Okay. I get, I get so that. they inspect they inspect the person's poop every morning. Mm-hmm. And they do a bacteria count for microscopic and macroscopic. Oh. How many macroscopic um, bacteria do you have in your shit? Me? None, thankfully. Jesus. If you Christ. have like a worm or some shit, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's just like a cat. You'll be able to see it. Cat falls out of your asshole. Oh my god, that'd be insane! They're, yeah, they're they're inspecting someone, and like a full gerbil falls out, and they're like, "Whoa, fluffy!" What the fuck have you been? Get the hell out of my office! What was your last name? Caster? Yeah. Good luck with your oil company, you freak! Ah, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, so they they do uh. They they examine your stool, right? And then they also they examine your skin where they take note of the color of your skin because that can indicate a lot of different issues like yeah. jaundice or uh anemia or metallic poisoning. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine the chart that they had that they pulled up next to your skin. Okay, uh he's a, he's they, white. They, well, no, cuz like people would have like if you have jaundice, you're like yellow. If you had different like types of metallic poisonings, you would be like incredibly pale and have like bluish tint to your lips and stuff. They have like very specific ways of figuring out what's wrong with you like that. Oh, okay. They also would test whether your skin was dry or moist. Um through wiping cat gut. And then it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use they use actually cat gallbladders this time. <laughs> But they uh, they would figure that out and then use hydrotherapy on the person because they they want to make sure the the blood is kind of circulating and actually reaching the skin to keep the skin healthy. Mm. Important, um, right? After that, they would inspect your mouth and your tongue. Say ah, and a lot of like. Well, because a lot of, like, diseases can be seen on your gums. I bet, yeah. 
and your tongue shows a lot of shit about what you've been eating. That's pretty cool. And so they take like bacteria cultures of your like throat, your nose, your tonsils, um, because they also want to see like if you have like reflux. Um, they want to see what like is happening really, like all around. So then they do is they they use a stethoscope and they do an examination of your heart. They then uh, took your blood pressure. Which not many people did at that point. Yeah. And then they uh, they they sent you to a specialist for like a like a like a genital urinary tract specialist that for who is specialized in both sexes. Right. They did examinations, and then they would try and figure out. They did different ways of testing your gastric motility. <laughs> you had so to fart in your, their mouth. Your gastric system is moving. And this is where it got to a point where I'm like, I don't, like, I looked up what these things were, and this is, like, where I was like, okay, okay, I'm not a big fan of this test meal. Uh-oh, what happens? Well, so they, they do another test this meal. This is, is, like, common uh, checking up, getting a checkup at the doctor. Oh, yeah, but, like, this was rarely ever done in these days. No, I get it. Because there are aspects that he's ahead of his time, and this is obviously one of them where, like, it was like, oh, it's like a basic checkup now. Well, how is it a basic checkup now? Well, you had someone had to invent it at some point the last 200 years or whatever. Yeah, it had to catch on sometime. Um, Except for the and so, check on the genitals. That only happens, like, once every 10 years or 20 years. Did I tell you I went to the doctor for my physical and they didn't check my genitals and I was very upset? Really? Like, hey, what's going on here? I'm not getting the full service that I asked for. Literally, I was like, yo, what happened to the rub and tug? Yeah. Like, He's like, what? I was like, the turn and cough. You know, the good old bend over a barrel and show you the 50 states. Yeah. What happened? This used to happen every time I went to the doctor as a child. And he was like, who was your pediatrician? And I was like, pedia what? It was just uh, Greg down the street. Yeah. Just, just, he called himself Daddy-O. Yeah. His office was his garage. He would smoke. <laughs> he was smoking while he would open my asshole. Yeah. All right, this is getting like this sounds like it's something that you're admitting to. So let's 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 move on. I'm a doctor. Um, <laughs> are, are you a, are you a, are you a doctor? Never mind. Never mind. So <laughs> to test your uh, your your gastric motility, they um they would serve if if they needed to, right? They would serve a thing called the test breakfast of Ewald. <laughs> Weird. Who's a wall? Mm-hmm. It was uh Iwald and also the test meal of Boaz, which they used as well. So they used the test meal of Iwald and the test meal of Boaz. Uh Iwald was either supper, breakfast, or dinner. And then Boaz was always just a test meal. But they were 
two German scientists that were very uh, respected by Kellogg because they worked a lot on uh, the more upper areas of the gastrointestinal tract uh, while he preferred to work on the more lower aspect. The butthole. Um, and so... Precisely. He liked he liked the butthole while the Germans liked the mouse. Get to me the mouse. The mouse? No, the <laughs> mouse. The, yes, the open o- the mouse. The eating offices of the body. Get me the mouse. Yes, and so get to me the butthole right away. The test meal of Ewald and Boaz... Um, I still, I really, I couldn't even figure out what it was made of specifically. Boa constrictor. But it was, no, it was made, it was made to like, it, it was, it's, <laughs> uh. Was it like a laxative? Just made, you had to mm, shit? Kind of, but the other way around. So it was kind of like. Throw if up? If they didn't have syrup of Ipecac, yeah. They would, they would use a funnel and just like. <laughs> Pour these test meals down your throat, <laughs> and the shit was like terrible. Oh, and so you're you would immediately vomit it all up. Yum. And that way they could study your vomit. Sounds like a very German thing to do. Yeah, well, because if they knew exactly what they put into you, they would know what to remove from whatever came out, so they know what came out of you specifically. Uh, right. What was it that um, they would shove? Oh, you don't know. I don't know. I tried to find out, and then I got really disturbed by reading the methods. <laughs> okay. What are the methods? Other than the the funnel in your throat and shoving something, an unknown agent. No, that that is the methodology. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Wait, but how would... <laughs> so, wait a second. So mm-hmm. the Germans would do the mouth. What's Kellogg doing? You see shoving stuff up Enemas. people's ass? No, 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 no. He used their methods. Yeah, to shove it up the butt, though. You said the bottom half. No. Oh. Listen, I told you, at the very beginning, with Fletcher, Kellogg really does utilize other major scientific knowledge of the day. So he uses Ewald and Boaz's uh, test meals for the use that they made it for. He's not going to take their test meal and try and use it for something else. Oh, I thought... He uses their, their their system because he knows it works and he has taken it and put it into his system as another measure for checking the health, the health of the overall body. I get Does what you're sense? putting down, dude. Okay, cool. Because between the year of 1893 um, and the... And December 31st, 1907, the number of completed examinations was uh, 28,649. Jesus Christ. He was doing one of these a day. <laughs> Literally, yeah. If not more. Yeah. It's a long day. got to do 30, you got to do three uh, test meals, test breakfasts. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's not that much fun. <laughs> So yeah, here here's a here's a quote that he pulled out. Because um, there's another man, uh, Doctor Cannon, who was doing experiments on the top half of the dietary uh, dietary tract as well that he used with Boaz and Elwald's systems. 
And he said, uh, this estimation of sugar and other soluble carbohydrates is the only means of determining the degree of activity and efficiency of salivary digestion, which, according to Cannon's experiments, continues in the stomach for an hour or an hour and a half after the entire after the beginning of the meal, and hence has far greater importance than was formerly believed. Okay. Remember when I was telling you that at the very beginning? That I, I most of your digestion comes from saliva? Uh, yeah, no, according to him, it, it, it's all about saliva. And this motherfucker figured it out, like, what, 120 years ago? It's crazy. 134 years ago? It's all about that spit. All about that spit. Mm-hmm. About that spit. No turkey. <laughs> no swallow. No swallow. Oh, it's plenty of swallow. He likes that. So after they check your vomit, they check the poop. Oh, of course. Again. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he actually uh, would examine the the residue, and they they had these massive labs that I have all these pictures of, where they would, you know, they would make, like, they would they would look at it under a microscope. They would dry it out and see what was inside of it. They would figure Man. out what it was made of. They would Man. see if there was any kind of issues inside of it. Man, all this all this effort for I bet that I bet that place smelled like shit. Boo! <laughs> Boo! Boo! So when they're checking the when they're checking the people's shit, right? What they're looking for is um, bugs. Yeah, they're looking for undigested food. Yeah, they're looking for unabsorbed fats, proteins, or carbohydrates. Um, bacteria in a lot of like numbers that are higher than normal. Um, you know, sometimes people do have like tapeworms that they find there, or, like parasites and shit. You know, really. Uh, while they're collecting the mm-hmm. the poop and the ur- and the uh, and the vomit, are they also collecting some pee pee? They are. They are. Uh, even though he noted, he's like, "There's not really much that you can learn from collecting urine." Uh, I bet he's the like, German scientists like found way. some stuff you could you can get from uh, collecting the urine. <laughs> no, I mean, what he did was he uh, he they did collect urine. They checked. Um, Basically, they use that to figure out uh, how your kidneys are functioning, and they would do that by giving you like really high levels of sodium. Oh, and then they would see how much of the the salt basically passes through. Oh, that's less fun. Yeah, I mean they were they were using it to try and figure out. There were only like a few things they could figure out from it, which is like if you had this thing called Bright's disease or uh, different types of diabetes. Uh, Diabetes. Yeah, but so after that they would check your blood, Ooh. as I told you. Um, and the cool thing about the blood samples, because they check your blood every day. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Is that they, well, they check it at the exact same time every day as well. Interesting. Because you're on a regulated schedule, they make sure to check your blood same time, same day, uh, same time every day, just so they can have accurate records. Based on if you are getting better, you know. Would your blood at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. be different? Possibly. 
I'm not too uh, knowledgeable on blood to tell you that one way or the other. Oh, fair. But a lot of what they were doing was they were trying to make sure the blood pressure determination was going to be made at like the right time because they thought that like basically you would be at about the same blood pressure at a certain time of day based on the schedule. Yeah. But what if you just got off the phone with your wife and she's trying to divorce you and take all the kids? It's just like, oh, my blood pressure is going to be pretty high. Well, then they would note that, you know? You're with a physician. They have a blank pad. They make specific notes. Yeah, but it's personal. I don't really want to talk about it. They could be like, oh, yeah, he seized. (laughs) He went into a seizure yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, they checked the blood pressure a lot. They wanted to make sure that you had, um, you know, a very good, uh, anti-toxic diet. So they're continuing checking the toxicity of your blood. Uh, they want, they, they actually found that they could bring someone's blood pressure from around like 250 to 150 in like a week if they, by doing the regimen. Wow. What regimen? Mm-hmm. What do you mean what regimen? Like did have you not been listening to this entire episode? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, do does he have um? Because every regimen is different. Does he have like detailed regimens online that you could follow at now with the house? In your God own house? no. Like this man. This man is long dead. I mean, like. Did he ever release, like, okay, so the cure for high blood pressure is because, you know, everything's... No. Oh. He would never... I mean, he released shit like that, but it was mostly for doctors to be like, oh, so this is how you're checking blood pressure. Oh, this is what you were looking for. Oh, like, that's what you were examining. That's what you could find with that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He's not writing things for the average person, and he died in 1943. Why would uh, any of his shit be Googleable in specifics online? Well, I've been uploading all these um, pages that you sent that you saved to the dra- to the document, and I've been uh, spreading the word around um, on uh, Google Docs. Okay, fine. You caught me. You're right. There is a large portion of the book that is. Arguably my favorite part that I'm not going that I was going to skip over basically entirely in this uh examination of the man, but if you're gonna if you're gonna yank on that chain, I can I can I can go that way. Sir. Yeah. Well I'm glad I got it out of you. <sighs> okay. Well I'll tell you. Just give me one second, because I didn't put it in this, in the episode. (laughs) Let's just, we're adding another episode to the list. No, we're not. The the longest. We're doing that to our people. The longest series in Wild Wasteland history. I'm not doing that to our fans, just because you're greedy, Michael. Right, we're going to do it to our OnlyFans. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer, bitch. Yeah, you like that, huh? Gross. So, because I'm not putting this in the episode, I'll put it out as a separate thing. Okay. So, first off, Michael, fuck you. Secondly, let's get back to this shit. 
so I can actually tell you about this goddamn system. Okay, all right, I'm waiting. You'll stop having so many questions if you fucking listen. I'm trying to. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be quite the concept? Yeah, it's, it would be. So, they uh, <laughs> they then went on to uh, to check the person's muscles, right? Nice. And they use a specially constructed, uh, this was crazy, I had to look in this, it's a dynamometer. Yeah. Which is used in, like, car shops to, like, test car strength for shit and, like, torque. Yeah. You never, you never, oh, because they don't do it anymore. They just plug in your, like, new cars just get plugged into a a, uh, USB, but yeah, they used to have to put... A uh, car on this thing in the shop, and it would just like, like spin the wheels real fast. It's a dynam, dynometer, whatever the hell it's called. What you just said. Yeah, a dynamometer. But so they had, they made one specifically for muscles. At, yeah, yeah. At the at the sanitarium, they had one that you would use to um, figure out any type of uh, muscle strength. Oh, and so. Wow. They tested every single muscle group individually. Weird. And they noted the strength of each individual group of muscles. How many different groups are there? Uh, 30, I want to say. Jeez. So, like, mm-hmm. biceps, triceps, quads. You been skipping leg day, dude? You been skipping leg day, bro? Come on, man. You got to get your game up, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, the reason they did this is because he was like, the, I mean, Kellogg was very smart. He's like, if I'm going to figure shit out about people, I need to know every single thing about them. He said, uh, the strength of the lungs cannot be determined by testing the arms. Neither can the strength of the abdominal muscles be measured by determining the strength of the grip. It's true. The strength of each of the 30 muscular groups of the body must be determined and charted in order to get an exact picture of the sum total of the patient's muscular ability. Is this guy on the keto diet, dude? No. Sound like a real keto diet person. Why? He loves carbohydrates. I could tell that from the other thing, but I think that that was mostly because they didn't have a... uh, farming system like we do nowadays that you could just have... Tons of protein. We just they just had tons of carbohydrates back in the day. Well, I'll tell you in a little bit about where they got the food for the sanitarium. They grew most everything on property. So yeah. they had a lot of fruits and vegetables. They wrote they they raised cattle, but not for protein, for dairy. Right. Um they had a they had a lot of things that we'll get to in a bit. Uh so they then, once they knew the complete and total uh, muscular kind of system, they actually created, with the U.S. government, this thing called uh, the, the Universal uh, sorry, Dynamometer, which they use... Um, with the military to strengthen every single individual muscle group. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And under that training, they said the gain in strength 
as shown by the dynamometer, is very often a rapid gain of 500 pounds in a week being not uncommon. In some instances, persons have been known to gain over 1,000 pounds in total muscular strength in a week. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah, and so there's also a bunch of pictures of these guys training different muscle groups on the dynamometer. Yeah, half of them look silly as shit. Oh, of course they do. Because, like, it's going to look stupid to, you know, work on your pelvic muscles. Guy looks like a complete dweeb, too. <laughs> it's just because of how he's dressed. Ah, dude, he's skinny as fuck. So then they went on, they would uh, they would study your physique again to be like, okay, you know, do they have a flat chest with a bulging abdomen? Do they have, you know, like, is, is the... Is is their back muscles like spasming in a certain way because of their abdomen and respiratory issues? Like, uh, so they they would check all that. Then they do a neurological and nervous system test, which let's see, it includes tests for the determination of ten coefficients of the nervous system, which is your psychic reaction, uh, your vasomotor reaction, pain recognition. Uh, stereognosis, tactile recognition, thermic recognition of hot and cold, weight, location, and pressure. He was breeding the perfect human. He was the million dollar man. Or was it ten million dollar man? Yeah. I don't know, you're old. What's the fucking show called? What? The Bionic Man? Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, like there was... That was like uh, the $10 million man. Oh, yeah, it was like $10 million or whatever. But uh, I remember that there was an episode where he fought this guy from Mexico, and there was like the 100 million peso man, and I was like, that's pretty funny. That was a $6 million man. Uh, I had to look it up, because you're no help being old and forgetful. Yeah. So they they take all the results of all of these tests. Okay? Yeah, I see. And then all the physicians, because they're trained on on site, and all the staff use a shorthand that they teach that they get every single one of the tests that they give to the patient on a single piece of paper that has a score. And that score basically can tell any of the staff members on site what is wrong with you when they see your page. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And so they also can note any kind of slight changes in any aspect of the patient that they're tracking. Now, they didn't track all of these things for every single patient, but the example they give in the book they track 104 different coefficients. A lot of, a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of effort here. But so they, ch- they tested, what was this, 22 different coefficients of the blood, um, 11 different, sorry, three sal- salivary, 11 gastric, and... Eight different intestinal tests. 
um, 11 different brain and nerve coefficients, uh, about 30 for the, uh, the urinary tract and then physical development had about 21. Okay. So just a a bunch of Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. They're tracking and they're making sure it's getting better. But now that we're now now that you know how they checked you out, right? And you know how they kept track of everyone. This is how the system works, okay? This is the backbone of the system is is how carefully they could note all of it. Is that is that coming across? Cuz I have to make sure with you, Michael. I'm not worried about the people listening to this. I'm worried about you. Right. <laughs> Are you still with me? Uh, yeah, they check 104 different things in a week. Gotcha. Yeah, and then then from that diagnosis that's given by Kellogg specifically, they then use this chart and their their booklet throughout their stay to make sure that they're on the right path and they are getting better. And if not, then they can revisit with any kind of physician they need. Oh. But I want to talk about the thing that interested you at the very beginning of the episode. Hydrotherapy. Right. Let's take a bath. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he had... The sanitarium uh, uses a system of hydrotherapy that was initially introduced to the country as the cold water cure. Oh yeah, no, they they thought that, that cured everything. Is this going to talk about mm-hmm. uh, masturbation or erections or whatever? Nope. Okay. This is about uh, curing things with water. Uh, I always feel like this. You know, sometimes when I'm feeling sick or whatever, I'll go take a shower for like an hour and just like dance around in the shower, and then I'll usually feel better for a little bit, but then I'll go right back to feeling shitty within the hour. Well, there you go. You got you got to spend more time in a continuous bath. Ah, if only I had continuous water flowing into the house. <laughs> so, this place, the the sanitarium system, um, used massage, dietetics, medical gymnastics, which they called Swedish gymnastics, which a lot of it is like yoga, um, and like Pilates and shit like that, um. Even though Pilates was made for military men strengthening, mm-hmm. uh, they used uh, electricity. They used phototherapy and a bunch of different types of baths. Okay. Okay. So there were two complete buildings devoted to this department: one for men and one for women. Ah. They were both connected with the main building that had the great gymnasium. Um, and each of the buildings had three stories in a basement. Now, there was a well-aired and well-lit basement that was devoted to rectal and bowel applications and, and yeah, classrooms. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you need, you need to learn. You do. Uh, the first floors were most of their general kind of like hydriatic equipment was. And then there was a very nice swimming pool on both ends of either wing. They always stayed around 78 degrees, 
and they had a smaller pool, which was 60 degrees. Both of those temperatures, if you stay in longer than like 10 or 20 minutes, you'll die. No, 78 is fine. No. 78 is like bath water. No, it's 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 less it's less warm than your skin. That's fair. Anything less than your skin, don't you develop hypothermia? Because your body has to fight. No, to stay it's a warm. ratio. It's a ratio between the the temperature of the water and the temperature of the air that will cause hypothermia. Oh. Yeah, I I only know about that because my brothers, uh, they, at least Ben still rose crew. And uh, they can't go in. They can't go on the water if the ratio of air temperature to water temperature is not high enough. Because if they fall in, they will like get hypothermia and die. Good, good thing to but know. So, uh, good thing to know not yeah. to do. The uh, here, here's one of my one of my uh, favorite things that he says. He goes. Uh, <laughs> As a tonic, cold water has no superior. The cold spinal douche often accomplishes marvelous results and in a wonderfully short space of time in certain classes of neurasthenics, uh, the tonic sits bath, cold mitten frictions, Salt glows, towel rubs, wet sheet rubs, wet and dry packings, compresses, and full baths of various sorts, including Nauheim baths, electrohydric baths, shallow and neutral baths, are only a few of the numerous hydriatic procedures, which are a daily ineffective use as a part of the Battle Creek Sanitarium system. Oh. He's talking about drinking water? Uh, no. He's talking about baths. Oh, uh, okay. He's talking about douching with cold water. But he also, a, a Neuheim bath was a, is a bath that, like, was started in Germany, and they basically, it's like taking a bath in carbonated water. Oh. Just drink mm-hmm. it. Put some vodka in it. Put a lime in it. There you go. And a sits bath would be on your sits bones, right? Which your sits bones is what you actually sit on. They're in your ass. Wow, really? Yeah, those like if you're sitting and you like put your hand on your butt and you feel those like two pointy bones there sticking through, those are your sits bones. Wow. You learn hey, I I Mm -hmm. actually learned something from this episode. Hell yeah. But as you notice, he did electrohydric baths. Yeah, so which is electrocuting baths people? with an electric current running through that it. That doesn't seem very smart. Seems like a and good they way had, to die. They had, they had 200 different hydriatic applications in daily use at the sanitarium. 200 baths going at the now, same time? No, no, no. Hydriatic applications, which is a catch-all term for... Basically, anything we do with water that takes a machine. Oh, okay. They do multiple types of sprays, where they literally spray you with water. Uh, A jet douche, which is that machine that I told you he made that can pump, like, uh, what was it, 15 gallons a minute? Yeah, that seems like fun. 
Yeah. And they do it either cold, cool, neutral, warm, hot, alternate, revulsive, or percussion. Ooh. Give me which I'm percussion. like, what is that? Like a fucking, like a, like a tool drum solo in yeah. your asshole with water? Yeah. Yeah. They run the, they run the, uh, the, uh, the hose over a drum kit. Yeah. And they just had, just, they had like John Bonham as an ephemeral ghost. Just doing his entire live Moby Dick eleven and a half minute drum solo. Yeah, exactly. Until you're uh, filled with water, then you die. Yeah, they would do uh, vapor douches. You're into that. You're a vapor douche. <laughs> Ouch. It's listen. It is. It is a great insult. <laughs> All right, remember the Rock'em Sock'em Robots? He just got one hit. No, that's a knockout. <laughs> Fuck you. My my head is still very much so attached. Take another hit, you fucking uh, vapor douche. <laughs> <laughs> so they would do immersion baths. <laughs> immersion? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like where you like dunk down Immerse fully. Immerse yourself? Oh, You're immersed. Jeez. They do sits baths. They do half baths, shallow baths, foot baths, uh, leg baths, which a foot bath you can do running, or a leg bath you can do walking. Oh, that sounds like fun. This seems like when they say, like, oh, Eskimos got 85 words for, for snow. It's like this. It's like it's all the stupid fucking... It's like sits snow, half snow, shallow snow, <laughs> foot snow... Yeah, I mean that is basically like the types of snow they have. They're like, they literally. I'm sh- I'm I'm actually very certain they have a different term for snow that is like, uh, light and fluffy. Yeah. Well, that and would be the foot. There's snow. a different term for one that is that is fluffy and light. Though that'd be the shallow shallow snow. You know, like 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 they're like, oh, this one is fluffy and light, but that one is light and fluffy. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so we want light and fluffy so it can be compacted, not fluffy and light. And they're like, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. You're getting I it. got it, kind of. Uh, they also had packs, which I still don't really fully understand. Um, but it was described as a general pack, half, trunk, hip, leg, chest, throat, spinal, wet girdle, <laughs> cooling, neutral, Heating, sweating, shower, hot blanket, dry blanket, hot and cold, hot and heating, cold and heating, or alternate. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? You don't get what what a pack's bath is. It's, it's not a bath. It's a pack. Yeah, it's it's a pack. Like you you take a bath with multiple people. I assume. Like you're a pack, of people. Now I would think that it's different it's just like a catch-all for like different things that they're doing that don't involve full baths because then it goes on to the fact they do sponging they do rubs with like oil alcohol witch hazel you know dry shampoos like they do it with like you know wet sheets to like they do like a with like a brush sometimes it's kind of like a uh what's it called when you when you like when you're being abrasive on the skin, when you're abrasing the skin to like kind of break open the pores more. Oh, yeah, I don't know. 
they would do uh, fomentations for various parts of the body. They would uh, do compresses. And then my favorite, hydroelectric bath, which they had sinusoidal and uh, galvanic. <laughs> and they also did air baths. They did hot air baths, what the fuck Russian is an air, baths. What the fuck is an air bath? Oh, dude, air you baths sit are in the an empty best. tub? Nah, Ben Franklin was all about an air bath. Wh- air baths, actually, you should do like once a day. Uh, it's literally just walking around and naked in front of a breeze for like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. You mean just It's literally bathing up? yourself with air. No, because you got to like stand up and like get your whole body moving and like bathe yourself with air. So there's Ben Franklin used to stand on the top of a hill naked to take air baths. What a what an American hero. Yeah. He was fat as shit too. Well, but uh they would do hot air baths, Russian baths, what, vapor wait, wait, baths. What's a, wait, what's a Russian bath? Like is the Russian bath like the where the bathtub sits on you or something? <laughs> in Russia. No. Bear eats you. No, in but Russia so, um, bath takes you. And it's just like I think you lay there with water on you and the tub just jumps on top of you. My guess is it was it was some sort of like sauna kind of thing, because Russian bathhouses are basically like saunas, you know. I don't know or saunas. I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's like a uh, like a normal bath, but you have to share your bath with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be. Insane. Like your you uh, your bath water gets shared with everyone's bath water, and then we all take the same bath tomorrow. <laughs> um, they also do Turkish and Swedish shampoo, enemas, uh, colocluster. Interesting that all the is, anal uh, stuff is all in the same section. Yeah. Yeah, Colocluster is just the original, like, OG John Harvey Kellogg way of doing yeah. enemas. Yeah, colostomy bag. Same with, uh, they would do uh, irrigation. Ooh. Which irrigation, I don't know if you would, you can guess what that is. Uh, they, were they... They would irrigate, they would irrigate a rectum, a vagina, or a bladder. Yum. Right, and then they would do other uh, tonic applications and shit like that. Uh, the second floor is where they did all the high, the electric baths, massages, um, screaming, heat applications, uh, phototherapy. They just took the pictures fomentation. Of Sorry, they just took pictures of you. Phototherapy. Yeah. No, no, no. Phototherapy is um very is photo phototherapy is actually pretty interesting. Um cuz they did uh they did thermotherapy in like solar light and they did phototherapy in electric light. Mm. And you would literally like lay on a table and they call them, they would do like electric light baths is what they call them. <laughs> okay. 
Everything they would path. like. Mm-hmm. You'd basically be getting like a like a like a an enema, like a douche, uh, while also laying on a table with like a big fucking light hanging over you. Uh, it seems like a real douche thing to do. <laughs> Boo! I really enjoy your jokes today. Yeah, yeah, they're coming in every once in a while. You're getting the joke <laughs> bath. Oh yeah, it's gonna fucking electrocute me. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> my my joke bath is like putting a, a a toaster that you just plugged in into the wall into your bathtub. That's my electric bath. <laughs> um, but one of the cool things about the his the the light baths that they would do is that he actually figured out in like summertime that they needed to do a blue glass filter uh to filter the sunlight to like stop its intensity from creating abnormalities that they didn't want. Wow, interesting. Um, he invented the first UV uh fucking protection. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say so, but I would think that like the fact that people use blue light to like concentrate is basically what he was trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. He would use a lot of like heat therapy. Um, now my favorite, as I told you, is his, uh, his like electrical hydriatic equipment. So he did this thing with a sinusoidal current, right? Which he said, this current has the advantages of being painless in application even while producing the most vigorous muscular contractions. It is employed as a means of passive passive exercise, especially for the development of the muscles of the back in spinal curvatures and the muscles of the abdomen in cases of enteroptosis. I don't fucking know. Uh, (laughs) It is also, and that that was one of the ones I was like, I don't even know what the hell that thing is. Yeah, Uh, it's okay. It's also an excellent means of exercising paralyzed muscles when they have not been have not reached a too advanced state of degradation and furnishes a convenient method of introducing vigorous passive exercise of muscles in case of obesity and diabetes in which the patient is too feeble to take the requisite amount of exercise in walking or other forms of muscular activity. Literally, they would use it for fat people who were too out of shape to walk. Oh, so it's the uh, rascal scooter of the 1900s. 100, yeah. Nin- 18th, I like 20th that. century. But at the same time, it kills a lot of people. Just um, like rascal scooters. He would use the, <laughs> use the, uh, the galvanic current. Um, so it's galvanized? The, uh, the ferritic current. Yeah. They, uh... Supposedly rendered a more efficient um, experience connected to the hydraulic measures. Basically, it worked better. It conducted better through water. Uh, they used static current for a lot of people with like insomnia. They would use high-frequency electrical current to lower blood pressure and relieve pain. That, well, that has the opposite now. I, I've listened to the latest Lady Gaga. It's pretty bad. 
Um, and then you'd also use X-ray. Oh. Which you say, even though it's not a form of electricity, uh, it's a form it of proved, murder. It's a daily proving itself of service in an increasing variety of ailments. Uh, it's an agent in diagnosis. It is constantly brought, constantly brought into requisition, not only in traumatism, but in the location of important viscera, and especially in diseases of the stomach and intestines. Um, and now the crown jewel of the sand was their gymnasium. It was actually one of the most complete and comprehensive gyms in Northern America. Wow. Yeah, you've been subtly hinting at this fucking thing for like three episodes now. You're like, oh, the gymnasium. It was, massive. It was crazy. Um, but they had an indoor and an outdoor. Oh. Because also the outdoor, you weren't allowed to wear like ordinary clothing. When you're doing exercises, you had to wear that crappy. Like you onesie. had to wear. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, exactly. Black and white footage. Um, but they also wanted like for 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 men, you would. There were a lot of times where like there were people who would just basically be wearing like a diaper running around. Yeah. Same with women, just oh, like yeah. a diaper and like a like a wrap. That'll happen because they wanted the sun's rays to hit the skin. And. Every every be- every uh, every weight has to be triangular or circular. That was also. A I, thing. I really love the way that he talks about it, though. He goes, "By this means, in, in the circulation of the skin is stimulated. The proof of the effects of the sun's rays upon the skin to be found in the pigmentation and heightened color, which develops rapidly after a few exposures. First exposures are sometimes followed by slight attacks of arrhythmia." Uh, which is sunburn. Oh, I would have never guessed that mm-hmm. in a thousand years. I had I had to Google it. Uh, he goes, which do not harm, <laughs> but may in fact enhance the beneficial effects. Oh. The skin is capable of holding two-thirds of all the blood in the body. When it is inactive and empty, the necessary result is that the liver and other viscera are congested and stasis exists uh, the whole Splanchiac area. That's like the area near your spleen. Ah, of course. Yeah, basically he says the uh, there's that because your skin isn't your blood isn't moving around your skin that much and isn't getting stimulated by the sun. He didn't know about vitamin D, but like you weren't getting vitamin D, and also you were allowing a lot of toxins to pour into your blood, which would corrode your liver. Because he also was big on exercise, which was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy because people just did that back then. They didn't think to exercise. That was, like, not a thing. Well, you know, they were busting their ass they all day. They were like, why would the... I walk or, or run anywhere unless I'm being chased? Yeah. <laughs> 1900s, yeah, there weren't a lot of people sitting down at jobs. So exercise was just a everyday occurrence. Mm-hmm. But they would, um, they insisted on exercise every day as a way of like weight management and to keep certain muscles strong. Because really, what a lot of the issues are, which is still happening to this day, a lot of people's, um, gastrointestinal issues come from the fact that they don't have a well developed abdominal or any of their truncated muscles so like their 
core of their body can't support itself. And so they are constantly just like sitting on their organs, you know? Yeah. As they slouch. Gotta sit up straight. There's dude. a lot of people that hap- that happens to. And there's a lot of people that also don't stand very much. Gotta stand. Tall. I mean, this is this is not this is not really related to John Harvey, but they found out I think it was about ten years ago now, they found that if you sit for uh you know, X period of time over X amount of days and weeks, your body will start to develop small fat pockets <gasps> that no matter how much exercise you do, there is no way to remove those fat pockets. Uh, love handles. Uh, usually they're more in like your ass and stomach, but yeah. Oh, man. Um, Wait, how long but, have we been so, recording yeah, so this would... podcast for? Enough time. Oh, no. <laughs> we've got the ass pockets. And the stomach pockets. So they they employed methods in gym in gymnastics more than even just like walking, standing, daily drills. They also, you know, were correcting how people would dress and like their their habits in sitting and standing. That's why he created that that uh sanitarium chair that we talked about. Yes. The one that you were like, oh wow, they should have that everywhere. Where it was designed to make you sit properly with your chest kind of out and your abdominal muscles in and your uh, like you're sitting on your sits bones, your tailbone is tucked under, you're like engaging your core. I've this is what I've always said, you know, you gotta sit straight. Mm-hmm. Uh they also would so they did a lot of different um muscular applications to make sure that people got, you know, generally stronger. They also had a lot of bikes, which not many people knew how to ride a bike. So people would bike around the woods in the property. Uh, they encouraged patients to learn to swim. Oh. Because not many people knew how to swim back then. Well, they just invented it. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's not like we were doing it before. Nah, it was invented in 1904. <laughs> um. But he said that he wanted to teach them to swim, not just because swimming is really good for, uh, you know, your respiration, your circulation. He's like, it's also a wonderful exercise that hits, like, every part of your body. Yeah. Um, you work at everything when you And swim. it's all low impact. Mm-hmm. Now, they would do the Swedish movement method, which I had to look into. It says that the... The Swedish movements says for more than a hundred years. Yeah, here we go. More than a hundred years ago, Ling of Sweden, obviously, obviously, by the study of a French translation of an ancient Chinese book, became acquainted with some methods employed from ancient times by the Chinese in training soldiers for war. Taking the Chinese systems as a foundation, he developed the most scientific system of gymnastics which the world knows anything about. Oh. Why is it called the Swedish mo- movement then? Should we call it the Chinese uh, movement? Yeah, I also love that the guy's name was Ling. Yeah. <laughs> Ling of Sweden. But he wasn't. He was uh, from China. China. 
what the what is going on here? This is the most no, no, confusing. No, no, no. He was he was a man from Sweden who read an ancient Chinese text that had been translated into French. And then he took that and then made it scientific movements, which they so call this, osteopathy. So this Chinese guy in Sweden read a French book that came from China? Um, I, no, he's a Swedish guy. No, I'm, I who read, I understand that, but Ling is his not. His name a, is Ling. Ling is not a traditional fucking Swedish name. Of course, it's not. But it's that's traditional the name. I can't, I can't change it for you. I'm sorry, I, sir. I, I'm sorry, Trump. I can't change history because you don't like the sound of the guy's name. It's the Kung Flu. You're like, but it just makes it sound worse. And it's like, yeah, I get it. You don't like Asians. Calm down. Well, I'm, I'm fighting for the Asians. Is this what cultural appropriation is? Possibly. Um, <laughs> it's the Swedish it, it's, method. It's, it's still known. It's still known to this day as uh, osteopathy. Okay, that sounds a little more. Ambiguous. Which is a branch of medicine that emphasizes the treatment of medical disorders through manipulation and massage of bones, joints, and muscles. Ah, that's what osteo means. No, pathy means. Uh, that. Osteo is bones, I believe. Yeah, that's what I just said. And then pathy is sensitive or responding to. No, no, no. Pathy is is bones. Osteo is uh, whatever you just said. The other thing. Is. Nah, you're fucking. You're fucking stupid. <laughs> Get out of here. Get the hell out of here. So in this incredible open outdoor free air gymnasium. Patients would, uh, they would do a lot of different exercises, okay? They would chop wood. They would saw wood. They would, they would rake up basketball. the leaves. They would mow the lawn. They would... <laughs> they would walk or they would trot on a path. They could take swimming lessons. They could play with bean bags. Uh, he said that, uh, because they engage in all kinds of exercises without other coverings than simple trunks, so that the skin becomes hardened, toughened, and in many cases as brown as that of a North American Indian. Ah. Effects of such tanning and hardening of the skin upon the internal organs is in the highest degree beneficial. Appetite and, di- and digestion improve, heart vigor increases, heptic. Oh, sorry. Hepatic and renal activity are encouraged. Normal metabolism is encouraged. And the patient feels daily the growth of new life and vigor under the stimulus of the natural forces by which the body is created and maintained. Uh, They also do daily outings. You know, where they'll go, like, fishing. Or they'll go uh, on, like, a sleigh ride. In the in the winter, oh okay, mm-hmm. that seems like fun. Uh, and actually, air baths are administered indoors by means of electrical fans, which produce a breeze of any required force. Oh. So basically, they stood you in a wind tunnel. Yeah, pretty much stood you in front of a fucking box fan. Mm hmm. Two hundred dollars. But in the nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Uh, they also utilize vibrotherapy. Oh, that's a where, vibrator. Uh, yeah, vibrating oh. machines and vibrators. 
Used for massage. Yeah, but um, and yeah, he actually they invented a lot of different um, like mechanical massagers that are still more or less used today. Yeah, sex toys. Because they found well, they no 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 like the the one that like like that one that they always advertise it like looks like uh the woodpecker like you're holding like a like a, like no 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 first off you're thinking of the jackrabbit yeah you're not thinking of the woodpecker but I'm talking about like the um the one that kind of looks like a uh like a like a kitchen. Like, uh, like, like a an penis. egg beater, like an electric egg beater, yeah. and it just has like a ball on the end of it, yeah. and it just like vibrates real good, and it gets really deep into the muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they st- that was like some of the shit that he used. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like the like the big like two handed. Yeah. Someone else has to do this on you. Yeah. Kind of like lay down and let me like. Yeah fuck with your back yeah and maybe your vagina and your butt yeah and your butt where's give me that butthole where's your butt where is it um, i don't know where it is <laughs> i'm really bad at this but so but so that was uh that was a lot of the inventions that they used and then all of that system combined with John Harvey Kellogg's dietary system that he used and employed allowed them to cure basically anything. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. When are we going to talk about cereal? Oh, do you want to talk about it right now? No. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll talk about it next episode. I'll tell you all about the cereal and his massive feud with his brother, W.K., but oh, their diet before system? we go, let me. Sh- it was about sugar, but before we go, I do want to give you a quick briefing on the food because I've been kind of mentioning it a lot. I don't know. So besides, um, besides chewing a lot, and the chewing song, and the reason I bring up the z- the re- the reason I bring up the zone diet is that this is the- his diet is the zone diet. It's utilizing um, scientific methods to figure out what a specific caloric block of food is. And they break it down into a specific zone of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats that your body actually is looking to absorb. And that food is prepared specifically with these protein blocks to give you the exact amount of nutrients that you would need. And then you chew it thoroughly enough that you absorb all that nutrients. Okay? But one of the things that he did note is that, you know, your your dishes can't be shitty. They can't be every day you're having gray mush that is the exact amount of shit that you need, you know? Right. They have to be other colored mush. No, it has to be like good, tasty meals. Oh, okay. And so he actually... Uh, he said the primary importance of the composition of a dish uh, is the it maintained a uniform standard because this this requires constant vigilance and supervision, and the service of cooks who have been specially trained for the work, so that the food shall be prepared with the same degree of accuracy, 
which the chemist brings to his work. Indeed, the kitchen in such a scheme as this must be organized as a laboratory and conducted under laboratory rules and in harmony with laboratory principles. So they literally were using like scales to measure out specific portions to the exact, you know, like they wanted precisely, uh, like he said here, the factor for protizing carbohydrates is 1.16 and fats is 2.63. Like they're getting very specific in this. Right. Um, and they they made a book called the diet list, which they would give to every single patient, and it's all of their recipes and how to make it. Because the bill of fare, like the bill for your meal, they broke it down to every single individual bit and part of the dish that you paid for, so the physicians knew what you were eating. Like you paid for, uh, you know. Uh, six grams of fat, you know? Like, that specific of shit. Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they also hired, like, a ton, a ton, a ton of brilliant chefs that would always make, like, new delicious meals that contained the exact amount of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats that would be needed for different types of people. Yeah, because if you just give everybody gray mush, it, no one's going to fucking want it. Exactly. Like uh, Now, they discovered new types of food Oh, in doing this shit. He was one of the first people to utilize uh, soy products as a means of meat replacement. Hello? Yeah, what happened? I don't know. You just like, it, it's it's like you're a robot and you just fucking did a hard reset. What just happened there? I didn't say anything. I was just listening to... Ex- exactly. <laughs> the meat, being uh, soy being replaced, or meat being replaced with soy? Yeah. Oh. Uh. And now look at this. Like, you know, we're in fucking 2020 and Burger King has a soy burger. Yeah. People are finally starting to catch on to what this asshole was doing a long time ago. The Impossible Burger. Mm-hmm. Because it, uh, it's impossible that a burger <laughs> is that bad. So whenever doctors and other physicians would come in, one of the things that they really wanted to see was the serving room, where the foods were weighed out into their portions. They were transported by like a, a fucking army of waiters through the dining room um, and you know to make sure the food was fresh all of the milk and cream used in the establishment was carefully pasteurized um, they only used sterilized butter um, the milk was provided by certain dairies which under the most careful supervision of Satan local experts uh, made sure that they actually were able to get um, pasteurized and unpasteurized milk. They had a portion of cream that was sterilized and turned into 
uh, sweet butter that had no germs in it. They had a creamery on-premises that would make all this butter and shit like that. And um, because they would also use certain bacteria that grows in sour milk to help people's digestive tracts. And they would like put them into pills and have the person eat this like more or less sour milk pill. Yum. That sounds uh, nice. Yeah. Nothing like a uh, sour milk pill. The, uh, the, the, the choicest of fruits of all sorts, fresh and canned in glass in the institution cannery, are a specialty much appreciated by the guests. Tens of thousands of gallons of fruit juices and fruits of various desi- desirable kinds are put up in bottles and jugs in the summer and fall. They literally had like just orchards and orchards. Uh, they would and tons of greenhouses where they grew all types of fruits, vegetables. They would grow different grains to make bread and cereal. They um, let's see. Yeah, they were the first ones to make the toasted flake. And they used that for breakfast. They, um, I don't, I don't know what else I need to tell you about this place. It's, um, they had st- fresh lettuce, tomatoes, flowers, celery. Here we go. Here's, here's the steward's records. It says the following items are from an annual report of the steward. We'll give an idea. We'll give something of an idea of the character and quantities of food supplies annually provided to feed this great family of invalids and those who care for them. Uh, here we go. So, 1,959 bushels of apples, 1,400 pounds of apricots. Uh, 1,400 bundles of bananas, 2,300 pounds of dates, 7,000 pounds of figs, 477 boxes of lemons, 530 of oranges, over 1,000 bushels of peaches, uh, you know, over 5,000 pounds of prunes. Oh, you're such a 16,000 quarts of tomatoes. Over 20,000 pounds of grapes. That's a lot. Yeah. They may, they, they get used uh, 44,000 and a half dozen eggs. Can't go uh, wrong with eggs. 11 and a half thousand pounds of peas. Four and a half thousand bushels of potatoes. They uh they baked almost seventy thousand loaves of bread. Yeah, people love their bread, especially him. A lot of carbohydrates mm-hmm. and bread. Well, one thing that he really loved, and this is the one thing that I really wanted to note last episode that you kept telling me not to. Yeah, is that he fucking loved yogurt. Ah, uh, yeah, he he would swim in it. Now, so here's the thing, he was one of the few Americans that actually used yogurt at the time. Yogurt was not in, Amer- in America. Yeah. It was a Bulgarian thing. It was in Turkey. It was in Egypt. Um, but it wasn't big in America. 
and he used it because he knew about it from Bulgarians. And um, at the time, Bulgarians were the longest living people known about. And actually, in like this time that he was using yogurt, yogurt became so popular as like a as like a health staple. It was sold in pharmacies. <laughs> Still is in the in the refrigeration well, aisle. Well, it, it, so yogurt kind of died out, and then um, it actually didn't become mainstream in the Americas until the 1930s, where Isaac Carrasso and his company that uh, would be renamed Danone, and then his son would change the name to Danon. Yeah, they were the ones who create who made yogurt popular in the U.S. Yeah, Danon, the polar bear. God, this company, this motherfucker. I mean. He he went on for like at least two chapters about how great yogurt is, uh, about how good it tastes, about the qualities of it, and how it's you know has all these great bacterias in it, and it's able to cure people. And they would make you every day. You had to eat a pint of yogurt. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so you had to eat a pint of yogurt every day. They also would do yogurt enemas. I might get a little. Uh, um, I might get a little rough. Yeah, Is that chocolate yogurt. Well, they <laughs> uh, tastes funny. They 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 used it for a lot of great shit though, because they he actually got this. This is what was so amazing to me is that he used and cre- he made yogurt on sanitarium grounds. Because they got yogurt ferment cultures from Paris. Oh. Yeah. Um, what's the guy's name? Pierre Yogurt. He- Pasteur. Pasteur. Yeah. You know pasteurizing? Yeah, he uh, he did it. He invented yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. He got so John Harvey Kellogg got his yogurt cultures from the Pasteur Institute in Paris. Wow. So he's using like incredibly pure yogurt cultures. Um properly pasteurized. And he goes, uh <laughs> to those who are not able to use milk, the ferment is given in the capsule or tablet containing 50 million units each in the form of yogurt whey, a byproduct of the manufacture of yogurt cheese. This yogurt whey is perhaps the most agreeable and certainly one of the most effective methods of introducing this remarkable therapeutic ferment into the alimentary canal. Wow. Yeah. So people who, like, were... Like, like, wouldn't eat it. He, like, condensed 50 million units of calcium into a pill. Like, either uh, you really like this place, it. or this place is, like, a living hell for you. Right? Well, and that's actually, when you watch The Road to Wellville, that's kind of what it's about, is, like, uh, Michael J. Fox. No, not Michael J. Fox. The one who does who, who's Simba in Lion King? 
Though I I don't know. Um, 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 he's in the producers. Uh, what's his name? Matthew Broderick. Oh, Matthew Broderick, of course. Yeah, Matthew Broderick in the film hates it there. Yeah, and his wife loves it there because she's gone tons of times and is still like going back as a repeat, as a repeat patient. And she brings her husband, which also, if you watch it, like, she's a piece of shit. She's the worst person ever. Yeah. What happened? She's, well, they go, and he's only there because he promised her that he would go because she's been blaming him for all of their marital issues, even though what happened was that he came back from the war, and she didn't like who he was because he had like a lot of PTSD from it and was a heavy drinker. And so she bought some like random, like off the street kind of like a con man's like syrup that was supposed to like stop him from wanting to drink. Mm -hmm. And so she would put it in his, in his alcohol and it would make him super sick and not want to drink but it turns out that she was like poisoning him with uh, pure opium. <laughs> she was, and so she, him a so she got him hooked on opium, and he didn't know what was wrong with him. Yeah, how does that because work? Because she never told him. Like if I put, she never told him what she did. But if I put crack in your in your pancakes and I make you crack pancakes every day. Are you going to be addicted to crack or are you going to be addicted to crack pancakes? I would be addicted to crack, but my mind would think that I was addicted to pancakes. Like I, I keep trying all these fucking pancake houses and none of these fucking pancakes can suffice the pancakes that I had at Mike's place. What's going on here? Exactly. Exactly. And so he's like, he hates it there. He's always sick to his stomach because he doesn't, he's not having, she like stopped giving him the opium. And so he's having like heavy withdrawal. Yeah. She's the fucking worst. She's the worst. I know. But at least the... But so that is the sanitarium system. That is the sanitarium system, my friend. They uh, they bring you in. They check you out. They give you a very specific diet. They give you a very specific regimen physically. They make sure that you're getting different, uh, you know, kind of uh, exercises and... Um, trainings and you are kind of bettering yourself and they track you the entire way and so you do different amounts of stays you know sometimes if you're really chronically ill they'll keep you for a while right if not maybe you'll go in for like a week every other year or something like that you know man but that is the sanitarium and his system wow what a journey it's been yeah man so Honestly, people, thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you hung in there. And Michael, just get your shit together, man. Get your fucking shit together. Thanks. I mean, I love you, and you know it, but, like, stick with it, man. Because next week, we'll talk about (laughs) the invention of cereal. Oh. And uh, his feud with his brother, WK, that ends up creating the Kellogg's Company. Where, uh, and then we'll get on to the rest of our cereal fuckers and we'll be done with this shit. 
Wow. I feel uh, prepared for it because this whole side uh, side adventure that we've taken to the Kellogg Sanitarium. Well, yeah, because, like, I mean, and we'll talk about this in his episode, but, like, WC Post, sorry, not WC. Yeah, it is WC Post. WC Post stays at the sanitarium to learn about this, uh, about the breakfast foods that he's doing to then go and make his own cereal, which is Post cereal. Yeah, and then he, uh, he but he, t- he learned the wrong lessons. He only was learning from the, uh, the test breakfast. Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone was vomiting. Yeah, everyone hates post. <laughs> but uh as always, you know, you gotta stay vigilant, stay wild, and uh stay tuned for next week. Yeah, especially nowadays. Thank you for listening. I fucking love you people. Go fuck yourself. Oh,